Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Simsisms. Reap the repercussions. Damn, I can't believe Carson Wentz would take the risk and now he's going to have to uh, reap reap uh, the repercussions here. Simsisms. Uh, How did I miss that? I don't know. When was, it was that? So stupid, like it didn't. You couldn't even register it. <laughs> We're pulling back a couple of weeks for that. When we have some more recent ones, Simsisms and Chris Sims accidental scholar. Uh, Okay, power rankings time, and look, I, I, I enjoy doing them. We've done them for years. I think we've done them from the moment that PFT went live, November 1, 2001. Yes, the 20th anniversary is looming. And uh, yeah, people disagree. They want to see their team higher, no matter how good or bad they may have looked in a given week. They always make the argument they should be higher, except when they give up on a team, and then they say, please put them lower to send a message. Uh, this week, Chris... Buccaneers still number one, not a surprise. A lot of movement, though, because, hey, I acknowledge I had some teams too low. Steelers were too low. I moved them from 14 yeah, to 5. They had questions, Cardinals though. were too low. It. Right. Car- Cardinals too. went in and kicked the you-know-what out of the Titans. If you're at 25, yeah, I had you too low. You move up. Conversely, the Packers, hey, if you're going to show up low energy and get the crap kicked out of you by the Saints on a neutral site, you're going to fall from 4 to 15. That's the way it works. Yeah, I, I don't – I got no problem with that. Yeah, you know, the one that – we talked about the Cardinals, I think, last week a little bit. Yeah, I think you're probably even a little low. But either way, I think where you had some teams low, there were some legitimate questions there to, to justify what you were thinking. So uh, I'm looking at it right now. You know, I listen. We got a lot of questions from from your fans and everything like that. Let's let's get to it because I think they bring up some of the questions I got just naturally here. Let me just say this though. Yeah. How do you feel about the Chargers now? Oh, as compared to last week. No, I, I feel you had questions about the Chargers. I did. I, uh, I, you know, I think we played a clip earlier from my podcast. The thing that jumped out and will change me about the Chargers a little bit is the way the offensive line looked. That was supposed to be the biggest, baddest D-line in football. I mean, they didn't get close to Justin Herbert. Not even close. 
You know, his numbers on third down, what were they, 14 for 19 on third down conversions? Yes. I mean, that speaks to it itself, telling you he had clean pockets to throw the football. You know, so we know they got talent. Now I see that, and yeah, I go, damn, I think I was low on the Chargers as well. So good for you for, for bumping them up. I don't know if I would have bumped them up quite as high as you did, but I, I'm not going to be too mad at you. Yeah, I didn't move them. They were, they were at eight. Oh, they were they there already. They Joe, belonged at number eight. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. All right. At, at Stolte Nick, have you ever had this much movement before? Uh, it was a crazy awesome week. Uh, yes, with, with all sorts of stuff happening. And teams were exposed or teams proved to us that we should have taken them more seriously, as we mentioned. Five teams moved up five or more spots. Eight teams moved down five or more spots. I'll admit, last week, I didn't know how these teams will fit together. It's one of the byproducts of not seeing much of starters in the preseason. You don't get the same vibe before week one that you otherwise would. Right. So week one has a lot more by way of revealing to us what a team really has. Yeah, I think that's the thing. You know, we we fall in the trap of maybe liking the teams who play the starters a little bit more through the preseason because you just go, oh, they look good. And you just have no feel for other teams who, you know, played, played starters very little. So it is. It's hard to, to pin it down. The NFL is so freaking close right now. Just th- throughout, the, throughout. I mean, I talk about this with my dad all the time. I mean, man, you can boil games down a lot of times to like three or four plays. Like literally like three or four 50-50 plays. And who's just got the guys to make that play as compared to the other team? You know, and and that's where it's uh it's a crazy league right now with free agency and the salary cap. The, the, the worst team and the the best team is it, it's not as the big gap that we used to see in the eighties and nineties. Steelers at number five. They were fourteen last week. Ryan asks, I know the Steelers beat the Bills. Did they deserve to move up nine spots when it wasn't exactly a blowout victory? This is a recognition that I had them too low. It's not a it's not a reward for beating the Bills. It's I thought you were going to lose by seven or more in Buffalo. I thought Buffalo was clearly the better team. I thought the Steelers were still a work in progress. I had them too low. Their win at Buffalo in a hostile environment with a full stadium for the first time in a year and a half, it proved that the Steelers are better than I gave them credit for. So it's not, hey, good job, you beat the Bills. Uh, If you would have beat them by more, I'd move you higher. No, I move you higher because I had you too low. It's that simple. Yeah, no, and the, the defense was phenomenal. You know, they, they, that fell under one of those things again, Mike, when we talk about great quarterbacks, when your front four can just get there consistently and you don't have to blitz and do anything crazy that way and compromise coverage on the back end, it's tough sledding. And the offense wasn't pretty. You know, it was not, but there was a little patience with the run. I still don't know how good it's going to be, but at least there was some patience with it. Sometimes running attempts are just as important as the yards. Just to keep a defense honest. Oh, now we got Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool deep, which they did. We saw them stretch the field a little bit. And the one thing that, you know, I think we always forget a little bit, and this goes back to Mike Tomlin. You know, you've said it before. It's just they're they're always battle ready, battle tested. That that's for sure. You know, yeah, I know they kind of fell apart at the end of last year, but man, the the Steelers fight and are ready to go every week for the most part. They had issues that went beyond, you know, trying to fight and be battle-tested last year. So uh, we'll see where it goes, but certainly a good start. The Browns fell one spot from number six to number seven. At Football Guy NFL says, why did they only... Why did they fall at all when they were the better team against your number two Chiefs for 80% of the game? I mean, they lost the game. I thought about not moving them at all. Some teams moved up 
in defeat like the Cowboys. They got bumped up a spot because they looked pretty good, even though they lost to the Buccaneers. But, you know, anytime you lose, you're at risk of dropping, especially early in the season. And uh, it was more about bumping up the Saints ahead of the Browns and bumping up the Steelers ahead of the Browns because of the impressive showings we got there. It's a zero-sum game. If somebody bumps up, somebody's got to bump down. And for the Browns to only fall one spot after losing in Kansas City, you know, they're still in the top ten. They're still getting their respect. Right. And uh, we'll see what they do week two. That's right. I mean, they got to reassess what they do the next time they play Kansas City. If they see them in the playoffs, they can't do what they did the last two times against them with the Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey like we discussed. But damn, I mean, yeah, you're right. They're still one of the ten best teams in the game. There's no no doubt. And, you know, to our buddy there at Football Guy NFL, listen, a lot of teams outplay the Chiefs for 80% of the game. There's this important 20% yeah. that's kind of important. <laughs> and it just it, <laughs> and it just seems like that 20% is in the fourth quarter all the time and the Chiefs win. Ask the 49ers about it in the Super Bowl. I think they got a pretty good experience with it. Yeah, if, if they ever play a 48-minute game, then the Chiefs may be in trouble. But as long as they play the full 60 that's when the Chiefs find a way to hit that gas pedal and score 25 points just like that. Um, Dave Deitert, the NFC West, we have the Rams at 3, 49ers at 9, Seahawks at 10, Cardinals at 14. Dave asks, did you consider putting all four NFC West teams in the top 10? I mean, the problem is I had the Cardinals so low, I can't move them from 25 to 10 in one week. Let's see what they do this weekend. If they kick the crap out of the Vikings, they're going to the top 10. Yeah, because the Vikings are a little desperate this week. The Vikings have talent, and if they can go home and play like they played in Nashville, because they're not going to catch anyone by surprise after what they did last week. But it, I don't think it matters you, if you can't get to Kyler Murray. Doesn't matter if you know what he's going to do. If right. You can't touch him. You can't stop him. So uh, I didn't consider it now, but it won't surprise me if all four of them end up in the top ten sooner rather than later. At some point, they start playing each other and cannibalize. I know, but. They still have the potential to all four be at or near the top ten, Chris. Yeah, I mean, hey, for the way it looked, all four have playoff caliber rosters. I mean, it's a special division. It really is. Top to bottom, it is unbelievable how many studs are on every one of those football teams. And, yeah, I mean, the Seahawks were really impressive. The 49ers as well. I probably like would have had the 49ers and Seahawks maybe ahead of the Chargers, who you have at eight. Okay, but I mean, I'm not really, I mean, that's nitpicky. That's nitpicky. Only just a little more proven commodity would be my reason for that. Uh, but still a very impressive win with the Chargers. And man, the NFC West, great Scots, Batman. And it'll all work itself out it will. in the first five or six weeks of the season. That's part of the fun of this. You see where you were wrong. And I'm not, I'm not going to double down and keep the Cardinals in the 20 and say it was just a fluke. I, if they they prove me wrong, they're gonna they're gonna get the corresponding bump. I like this question from Ricardo Ileskis regarding the Packers' free fall from four to number fifteen. Why punish the Packers that much? Last year they lost like that and came back strong. Of course, that's a reference to the thirty-eight to ten loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Here's the difference: it wasn't in Week One, exactly. And you don't have your quarterback right. out there saying we were low energy in Week One. It was an alarm to me that this is no longer an elite team. To not show up for the first game of the season, to have every break fall your way. Hey, you don't have to play the Saints at the Superdome. You get to play them outdoors. It was a gift for the Packers. We were saying that last week. They got a gift by by virtue of not having to go to New Orleans to play the Saints. And they still were horrendous with their lack of effort and the outcome and outclassed on both sides of the ball. So you do something like that in week one. 
I think it's a lot more alarming than the stuff happens outcome that you'll see from time to time in the middle of the season. Agreed. I mean, they were 4-0 and kind of kicking butt last year when they lost to the Bucks. They were up 10 nothing in that football game against the Bucks, And Aaron Rodgers made, like, mistakes where you could go, wait, he doesn't usually do that. Like, that, that, that's where it was different. This was, there was no mistakes to be made here. I mean, I know he made mistakes. They just got killed from get-go, both sides of the ball. So, you know, I think you're, I think you're right. And I think that's really kind of the context around the situation. All right, uh, next question here. I got my outline a little out of whack. Here we go. Joel Cochran, how do you put the Ravens ahead of the Raiders after Monday night? Well, look, the Ravens are still the better team. The Ravens would have won that game if they had played that game in Baltimore. The Raiders benefited from the location. And I think as the season unfolds, the Ravens will prove to be the better team. Also, the gap between the two was so much. I'm not going to force it and say, well, I have to move the team that won a game over the team that lost a game. Because I still think the Ravens are the better team. The Raiders were the better team that night. And playing at home had a lot to do with it. But, you know, the, the Ravens easily could have won that game, and they, they arguably should have won that game. Yeah, I, I respect what you're saying there. Yeah, we're going to see more from the Raiders first. I mean, yeah, the Ravens lost a tough one, like you said, in a tough environment. Lamar Jackson, you know, two big fumbles and some really bad situations. He doesn't usually do that. And it goes back to the co- proven commodity, you know, conversation. Yeah, I mean, okay, great. I mean, the Raiders beat the Chiefs last year. It doesn't mean they go right into the top five of the, the, top, the countdown. Yeah, there, you know, there's a lot of other games. That was a good matchup for them. They did a lot of good things, but I agree with a lot of your points, and I, I respect that you don't just make it about that. You know, again, I got concerns about the Ravens, and if we see some of those same issues boil up, I know you'll put the Raiders in front of them. But for right now, I'm I'm with you. You, you know, I'm not ready to say that the Raiders are a better all-around football team, you know, than the Baltimore Ravens. Not yet. I got to see a little bit more there too. The Bengals escaped the dregs of the power rankings by moving from 29 to 21. Rob's Ford Caps says, as a Bengals fan, I'm afraid this ranking ignores both our head coach and the fact that we don't get to play the Vikings with their 20 penalties every game. You know, I, I guess you're doing something right when a, a fan of a team isn't calling you out. When Seriously, they agree like, or actually think yeah. that you're being too, too kind. Nice. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen with Bengals fans with me, people. But uh, they, they deserve to be at 21 after what they did. I was impressed by what the Bengals were able to do against a team that should have shown up and beaten the crap out of them. The Bengals proved to me they're not going to be among the worst teams in the NFL. One of the writers at PFT, we have our constant text chain, he said last week, hey, the Bengals should be very grateful for the Texans or everyone would be pointing out how dysfunctional the Bengals still are. Well, they put the dysfunction aside for a day and took care of the Vikings. They deserve to be at 21. Uh, the, the Washington football team at 22, the Eagles at 28. Ryan Rincon says, how is Washington, who lost their starting quarterback, higher than the Eagles after Jalen Hurts played a perfect game? Look, I don't know how bad the Falcons are going to be, but when you score six points at home after you've hired Arthur Smith to become your, your head coach, uh, I have a feeling the Falcons aren't going to be very good. So I don't put a whole lot of stock in the Eagles' win. I did move them up three spots. Washington fell seven spots by virtue of losing the quarterback uh, and losing the game. There was a big gap between the two. It's tighter now, and we'll we'll see how it goes moving forward. I want to see what the Eagles do against better competition, and I want to see how Washington does without Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I hear you. I think those are, like, legit questions. You know, I will say I, I think we were probably too low on the Eagles leading into the season. 
and I you sure, weren't. I'll give you credit. You, you saw it. You saw it. You I, saw it. I, I, I thought they would beat Atlanta. You know, I think the thing that we got to look at with Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts is a gamer. He really is. He's not like the best thrower in football, but he's good enough to when they're open, he's going to hit it. And then his playmaking ability in certain situations. And then the thing, like you know, I know we talked about this on our podcast last week when we picked the games. The Eagles, the one thing they got going for them, offensive line and defensive line are elite. They're elite. Their offensive line is going to blow a lot of defensive lines off the ball. And that's going to make things tough, especially when you got a quarterback like Jalen Hurts behind it. And then, you know, like we've talked about a little bit, I- I'm a big believer in Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni as far as offensive game planning. I think they're pretty good, da- pretty damn good that way. Uh, they got a tough one against the 49ers this week, we know. But I think that game is going to even be a little closer than people realize. I would be shocked if the Eagles don't hang around. They're not going to get pushed around with the 49ers who are used to having that advantage on the front lines uh, against most teams, too. Well, that'll be interesting to see if they can parlay what they did last week into a victory this week, or at least keeping it close against the 49ers, who surely will be favored. The last question is more rhetorical, and I'm not going to respond to it. We're just going to read it to you as we go to break. Trundle the Great wants to know, as it relates to the Jaguars at number 32, I see you have them falling five spots on the chart. My question is, why are they on the chart? <laughs> That's awesome. At all. I love it. Jaguars fans and Bengals fans keep it a real here today. <laughs> Let's take a break. We're going to look at the best and worst offensive lines of week one when PFT Live continues right after this. Feats of Strength, week one edition. Oh, yeah. Jason Kelsey. Look at this, getting oh, downfield to man. block Deion Jones and Deron Harmon. Take that. Take that. Get out of my He's way. He's amazing. Still moving that, that way at his age. I mean, he is awesome. One of the all-time great centers. I mean, he's, he's a Hall of Fame center, Mike. They, they both had a little hold there at the end, but that's all right. That's all right. We'll give him that one. Here's Jordan Mailata, same game. Oh, Clears my out gosh. Richie Jalen Rieger, touchdown. Oh, my Get gosh. Get out of here. They Sit got some down. killers. Yeah, that is like, I mean, hey, uh, yeah, that's uh, no low blocks out there anymore. So you just get to crush the guy. Well, <laughs> and the DB can't go low either. Right. That's the key. The DB can't avoid it. Yeah. Here's Levante David taking Connor McGovern into the backfield to put pressure on Dak Prescott. How about another look at that? Oh, no, there it goes. Devontae Ooh, Booker, Giants running back, chips Jonathan Cooper on the Sterling Shepard touchdown. That was more than a chip. I mean, he took off his right shoulder. <laughs> George Kittle, a little pancake, serving Uh-oh. up a pancake, break out the syrup. How does he Down do it? goes Trey Flowers. How does he do it? He, I, I look at him and go, wait, I think I could beat him up in a fight. And he just moves people yeah, all the time. I'd, I'd pay good money. I'd pay good money to <laughs> I watch all 30 seconds of that one. <laughs> Double pancake. A full stack for George Kittle, getting it done. Amazing. On the Eli Mitchell, excuse me. Touchdown. I mean, look at the blocking. The 49ers. I mean, he doesn't get touched till he's 20 yards down the field and then just breaks one tackle, a touchdown. I think think we need to explain to Pete what a pancake is. I'm just reading off of what Pete puts in here. Pete, it's not a pancake if the defensive player is still standing up. You understand? You make them flat. You make no. The guy was standing. You make them flat as a pancake. That's the pancake block. Uh, and next time, show it. Show it to us during the break. Pete didn't want to show show it to us during the break for some reason. Next time, show it to us during the break. So at least 
I can know what's a pancake and what's not. Best offensive line and worst offensive line of the week. Which offensive line impressed you the most, Chris? Wow. I mean, there was a lot of good offensive line play. I mean, if you look at like the NFL right now, right, you look at the top rushing teams or the or the Baltimore Ravens and the Eagles. Both good old lines, but the Ravens didn't just bludgeon you with pure run game. It was Lamar Jackson scrambles. Eagles did do some bludgeoning, but the numbers are a little misled because Jalen Hurts scrambles. Jalen Hurts, excuse me. I... I I, I'm still going to go, man, I, I'm going to go with the Browns. I am. I mean, the Browns, again, they just do it the old-fashioned way. It's not Baker Mayfield. It's pulling guards, smash your face, inside zone, outside zone, double tack, you know, guard and tackle pull. And they got the best offensive line coach in football. Now that Dante Skarnecki is retired, I mean, it's Callahan, it's Munchak in Denver. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns. And what they did to a pretty big defensive front in the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to stay in Ohio and give the Good. kudos to the Bengals. Yeah. I mean, the best offensive lines aren't noticed. And when you're going against a great – what do we hear? All, the, one of the reasons the Vikings are going to be contenders, the defense is great, front seven's great, interior push great. Joe Mixon had 100 rushing yards right. on Sunday right. against the Vikings. And Joe Burrow had time. Now, early on, they were getting rid of the ball quickly, so he didn't have to set up. But on that play – when he changed it, fourth and short to the pass, he had plenty of time to get through his reads on the most important play of the game. Got to his third read, made the throw, and the offensive line held up against what was supposed to be a much better defense than what we saw. Very quickly, least impressive offensive line of the week. I think we agree on this one. Yeah. All right. So go wait, ahead. who are you going to take? You go ahead. You want you Tennessee? Okay. Tennessee. So I'll take a. I'm with you. That's that's certainly one of the two teams I wrote down. The other one's going to be the Packers. I'm going to write that. I mean, yeah, the Packers. The O line's supposed to be one of the stronger parts of their football team. They got their butts whooped. Pass protection, run game, there were nothing. Nothing. So, uh, I yeah had higher expectations of that group there in Green Bay. I know there's no Bakhtiari, but still, that was less than for sure. Did you say Bakhtiari that time? Because you have a thing where you throw in an extra A, a Bakhtiari. I, I like to do that with a lot of guys. I like Joey Abosa. I say that sometimes, too. I think I got it right that time, though. Yes, coachable. All right, let's, uh, let's take a break. When we return, we're going to draft the teams and players on whom we are buying the hype with Mike Florio and Chris Sims right after this. <laughs> Steelers fan given the official Browns Twitter account, The Business, Brian Campbell. I know you guys lost, but is there any chance Owen could get a jersey? The Browns respond, let's do it. Owen who? Owen won, said Brian Campbell. Let's go Steelers. Oh, and apparently, my gosh. Brian Campbell got blocked. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> That's the best <laughs> All right. Well done. Well done, Brian Campbell and Owen. Uh, sad news yesterday, the great Norm MacDonald, Man. grossly underrated comedic talent, died after a private nine-year battle with cancer. Trivia question, Chris. Oh, you're asking me. I'm asking, asking you, me. right? All right. All right. All right. Well, you've seen like the famous clip, right, of his like iconic performance with Burt Reynolds yeah. as Turd Ferguson on SNL, right? Yes. The Celebrity Jeopardy, right? Do you know who... The other two characters were on either side of him from that. I, I knew one right off the bat, but I'm not sure well, if I knew the well, other. Well, here's the problem. And this doesn't count as cheating. This is just accidental preparation. Yeah. 
because I watched it this morning while I was shaving. Right. The, I saw the clip, and I and, and I like to multitask, and I watched the clip. Sean Connery and the other one I would have never gotten in a million years, French Stewart, was, and I think it was Jimmy Fallon, a very young Jimmy Fallon playing French Stewart, who was I, one of the characters who, on Third Rock from the Sun. That's who French Stewart was. That's right. I couldn't remember who the hell that was either. Okay, so there we go. Good job. I mean, that was a classic yeah. moment, certainly. Uh, and, man, I just couldn't believe that about Norm MacDonald when I saw that yesterday. Crazy. I had no idea that's what he was dealing with. So RIP to him, like you said. I have watched so many Norm MacDonald clips since yesterday. The Norm MacDonald moth joke with Conan O'Brien is worth your five minutes. The Norm MacDonald Espy's joke directed at Charles Woodson, but ultimately uh, the backdoor slam of O.J. Simpson is perfect. And his back and forth with Larry King where he's Bud Abbott and Larry King is Lou Costello, although Larry King doesn't realize it, is I've watched that right. 50 times. The timing, the wording, everything. It's like he scripted the moment to unfold the way that it did, and Larry King had no idea. All right, Kyler Murray, first one for me. Uh, I'm buying the hype. He he stays healthy. He's going to be in the mix for Offensive Player of the Year and or MVP. It depends on how good the Cardinals are to be MVP. But he's my favorite player to watch. I'm buying it completely. He's back. He's better than ever, and I can't wait to see what he does all season long. Yeah, he's special. I mean, he really is. It's it's amazing, some of the things he does out there. I mean, it's, it's like uh, – He's like the roadrunner running back there sometimes. You just can't catch him. He's just like, beep, beep, I'm going over here. Beep, beep, I'm going over there. It's amazing. All right. I'm going to go with Jameis Winston. I am. I'm going to buy the hype on Jameis Winston and the Saints. You know, the way it looked, and I just think the way their football team is built, Sean Payton, I just got too much faith in him. I'm going to go there because, you know, Sean Payton, even early in the game, like he managed Jameis Winston. I think he was almost making a point like, listen, we don't, we're going to run the ball. He didn't even want to throw the ball too much early. It was very bland and normal, like get him in a rhythm a little bit, and we're not going to let you screw the game up and get crazy here early, and you're going to start throwing trick passes everywhere. So uh, I, I really expect Jameis Winston to play really well this year, and I think that's his first good lesson And wait, I don't need to do you know, crazy stuff with this football team. If I just play within myself – this damn coach is going to dial up a few shots for me to take downfield, and I'll hit them, and everybody will think I'm a superstar. So I'm buying it. That was the next one on my list as well. I think it's going to work, and it's going to work well because of Sean Payton's ability to rein him in and keep him within the parameters of his broader abilities. My next one was going to be Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach, but then I realized there is no hype. There should be. But there isn't any yet. Keenan Allen, I talked to him after the game. He went on and on about the coaching staff, and this is year nine for him with the Chargers, and he tried – not to throw shade at past coaching staffs, but he made it clear that this one is special. I'm going to go same city, same stadium, Matthew Stafford, because there was definitely hype with Matthew Stafford. I said my pick wasn't Brandon Staley. Control room, come on, keep up with me. Matthew Stafford is my pick because there was a ton of hype, and so far he's delivered it. And I think if he stays healthy, and with him we know that's a big if, he's going to be very good this year. Yeah, no, definitely. Actually, that was going to be my pick. It was. I was going to go with Rams offense, Stafford, whatever, however you want to phrase it. He definitely brings something to the table that that offense has not had. The play-action pass, the bootlegs, the ability, one of the greatest arms in the history of football. And I'll hear. here's the other thing that jumped out to me about watching that film a little bit, Mike. You know, 
the drop back pass game too. In years past, I think we hit this on like Monday or maybe I did. I can't remember. I talked so much. I wasn't even here on Monday. What the hell am I talking about? In years past though, when the Rams couldn't run the ball, of course the play actions and boots became less effective and you went, oh man, it's going to be one of those struggle games for the Rams. They went through some moments like that in this football game, but Stafford and the drop back pass game are a real element to defend in the Rams offense now. So that's where it's going to be different. So I like you there. I like what you said there. I'm going to go somewhere along the same lines of the Shane Waldron the Shane Waldron and the Seattle Seahawks offense. I'm going to buy the hype. I wasn't sure how it was going to look. I'm not. I wasn't. But, man, the way they ran the ball, you know, the way the game was called in general, they got this Dwayne Eskridge kid who's like their speed sweep guy. He is a – I liked him coming out in the draft. I talked about him on my pod a few times. He's got one of those guys. got two or three rockets up his butt. He's from Central Michigan or Eastern Michigan, one of those directional Michigan schools. But uh, I like the way it looked. And, of course, the aggressive shots down the field with those weapons is, is going to be a part of their offense. So I'm buying the hype on the Seahawks, though. I'm going to surprise you with my last one, and this one has no hype, but it should have more. But I'm going to begin the campaign here as we approach the one-year anniversary of his unfortunate encounter with Dr. Needle. We got to wake up to Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. We got to understand that this guy's a damn good quarterback. He's had some unfortunate circumstances. He was the starter in 2018 in Cleveland. He gets injured week three in that Thursday night game against the Jets. It opens the door for Baker Mayfield. No more Tyrod Taylor. Last year, he's the starter. And the way Anthony Lynn was talking, he was going to be the wall-to-wall starter all season long. Dr. Needle enters five minutes before kickoff week two, and there goes Tyrod Taylor. He's the guy. Unless Deshaun Watson all of a sudden decides to show up and play, he's the guy. He stays healthy. The Texans are going to be better than we ever thought they were going to be because Tyrod Taylor is still a damn good quarterback. So we need to be buying the hype, and we need to be having a little hype yeah. for a team that we also happily wrote off. It's so, our jobs are easy when we can just cast teams aside. We cast the Texans aside. Maybe it's time to pull them back in because uh, they got it done week one. We'll see what they can do moving forward. A lot of talent. I mean, he does. You know, He knows how to play. You know my concern always has been just lack of aggressive decisions and throws. If he does what he did the other day, watch out. I also will say there's another good example of, oh, we were going to sit the quarterback all year? Oh, oh, wait. He played and he was awesome in Justin Herbert. And now we're talking about the Chargers in the playoffs and everything like that. Ding, ding, ding. Chicago talking to you. Okay, <laughs> move on. Cardinals defense. All right? That's my last pick real quick. I- I'm going to buy the hype on the Cardinals defense. You know, I know you went with Kyler Murray. The other thing that jumped off to me about that football game was, yeah, Chandler Jones and the D-line, you know, but it's the second level of their defense that is scary, fast, and good. When they put Buda Baker in the box and they got, you know, Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons and then and Jordan Hicks, who can really run, and then you got Byron Murphy at nickel. Wow, is that as fast as and as talented as you're going to get at the second level in all of football? I'm buying the hype, especially with Vance Joseph coaching. I think he's a pretty good defensive coordinator. He's very creative. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy that hype there. I don't know if there was hype, but there should be. Well, there should be, and they've got those guys who are versatile and can do all sorts of things, and the Cardinals could end up being a pretty damn good team this year. they got the Vikings for their home opener this weekend. Let's take a break. When we return, a happy birthday for a Hall of Famer. We'll talk about that next year on PFT Live.
Happy birthday, Dan Marino. He turned 60 today. He shares a birthday with my son, who turns 25 today. There's Marino with the fake spike made famous against the Jets. What's your first memory of Dan Marino? Oh, you hear the name. gosh. I, I just think of, like, I, I don't know. I, I guess I just think of him and the shotgun throwing to Duper and Clayton and and that that's really what I think about. That was probably my first experience when I was like five or six years old there. I was really starting to you know get into football. Uh, man, just so fun to watch. Unbelievably quick release. Lasers everywhere. First thing I think of is he never won a Super Bowl because he got there in his second year and he believed he would be back many more times and he never got back through no fault of his own. No. It just shows you it's fundamentally a team sport. There are plenty of quarterbacks out there who never even played very much who have Super Bowl rings. Dan Marino, one of the best of all time, his career incomplete, like Dan Fouts, like Fran Targeton, but one of the great passes of all time. And that release, good Lord, how, how he could get rid of the football. And doesn't get the respect for his brains either. He doesn't. I mean, it, it was, you know, from even my years in football, we, Gruden used to show us things about him checking to plays and, and getting into certain route concepts and that. He, you know, everybody thinks, yeah, he's just a gunslinger. No, he's not a gunslinger. He had it all. And, you know, you, you don't need to be a scrambler, right? The way he moved in the pocket. It's like a Brady. It just, oh, he always found the right pocket, and zing, it just was out of his hand. Amazing way. I, I love Dan Marino, the person being around him. You know, uh, just uh, I can't say enough about him. And he is the perfect example to go like, oh, yeah, it's a team sport, like you said. He's better than a lot of, a lot of quarterbacks that won Super Bowls. And he's the man. Dan the man. He told me at one Super Bowl how he got that release. His dad taught him that. I mean, basically, it's a smart assessment. The sooner you get rid of the football, the sooner the ball gets to the receiver. We're out of time. Enjoy your day. See you tomorrow. See ya. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist, you'll want to invite everyone over. From book club to reality TV watch parties, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is infused with two times more essential oil versus regular Airwick Essential Mist for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is perfectly portable and effortlessly easy, the way fragrance should be. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick.